Oh, I O. There we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Stick to Football. It's a, it's a clumsy morning. We weren't ready for it, but we're having a lot of fun out at the tailgate tour. We have been here for six hours right now. Six hours on the tailgate tour. We're not even halfway done. Not even halfway done. I'm Matt Miller, joined by Mello and Connor, like you always hear on the Monday Morning Show. Thank you all for listening. We are somewhat live from Columbus, Ohio. And as we are recording Saturday early afternoon, late morning. No concept of time anymore. No idea what time it is. So we can talk a lot about what happened Thursday, what happened Friday. What's going to happen today. What's going to happen Saturday, which might be a little dated for you. But we do have, fellas, rarely this happens at a tailgate tour. We have some news. And I think, I think for me it starts with, DK Metcalf, Ole Miss wide receiver, declares for the NFL draft. He's been out all year with a, a pretty significant injury, yeah. but now he jumps in this class of receivers that we have said is not very good. And I don't even know, like, I'm still not sold on DK Metcalf. I don't even know if he's the best Ole Miss receiver. I've said that before. I know I said it last year about James Washington, but I really I like A.J. Brown, and I think I like him more than DK Metcalf. It's hard to tell, though, coming off of a, a big injury, how he's going to recover and bounce back in time for the combine. Uh, I look at Metcalf and I, I, you know, I like that he wins contested situations and I like he's long. Yes. Physical profile off the charts. I don't know if this was the best move because the question is, are you going to be able to run at the NFL combine right now? How exactly. are your medicals going to look a lot of guys with neck injuries and, and being in New York, I've seen two of them over the last year where Quincy and Nunez missed an right. entire season well, Powell will now miss an entire year. It's a surgery that is very significant, and you have no guaranteed success to come back and be able to take on contact. We don't know the details of Metcalf's injury, which makes you wonder, how will teams view this? Will he be a first-round player That's anymore? That's all of it, too, man. I'm glad so, you said that. And I really like Kelvin Harmon a lot, too, in this wide receiver class where I say, I think when it comes down to it, he's not the undisputed top talent. He, he's in the conversation. Yep. When medical things pile up, teams are going to have concerns. So I'm excited to see him in the NFL. I'm not exactly sold that he's a safe pick or a superstar yet. No, I think like Melo said, I'm not even sure he's the best Ohio, uh, excuse me, Ole Miss wide receiver in this class because of A.J. Brown. And you've mentioned Kelvin Harmon. You have Marquise Brown. You have Nikhil Harry. Thank you. There, there are some other players in this yeah. class that aren't injured right now with a, an injury that we frankly know nothing about. When can he play again? He's not cleared right now. And there are going to be people... You know this, they see an Ole Miss receiver, and they're going to be afraid because of Laquan Treadwell, because yep. we haven't seen anyone really come out of that system and thrive. So I think DK Metcalf, it's probably smart to jump because as we've said on this podcast multiple times, when you're coming in next year, that wide receiver class is amazing. With the Alabama guys, the Michigan guys, there's so many good receivers next year. So smarter to jump this year, but... I'm Higgins. not ready. It goes on. It Higgins, goes on. Yeah. It's just a point. It goes on. That and whole on. sophomore yeah. class right now. Like people just have to jump and get in front of it. The Raiders are going to trade their entire draft for next year's draft. Cleveland Furl. And then that draft for the following year's draft. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're going to Browns this thing. So DK Metcalf. <laughs> the Raiders are a pyramid scheme. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> really are. I think that's the biggest news right now. But there's a ton of other things going on. Let's keep it Mississippi related. The Egg Bowl brawl was impressive. I, I, our guy Jamal Peters out there, not taking shit from anybody. You got quarterbacks throwing punches. I absolutely love it. Here's my question to you guys. I don't want your hot take on a fight that happened a couple days ago. I want your hot take on how do you handle 
a football fight situation. We've asked some people this question before. Taylor Lewan was like, I just from the everybody. from the point of view that we are involved in it. Yes. So as a humble brag, captain of like a high school team, <laughs> we, we always Woo! talked about like. <laughs> Big deal over here. <laughs> Don't take your helmet off going to it. Never. Like, if they have their helmet off, like we were ever going to fight at the coin toss, right? Never. But you show up with your helmet on, and I think that's the key. You look at what Aaron Donald did. The dude ran back to the sideline, put his helmet totally. on, and strapped up. Right. That's, you check that off you the box You go back first. ready to go. Totally. I got into two fights when I played lacrosse, and I kept my helmet on both times. You were helmeless in lacrosse? Yeah. Bigger than bigger than football helmets. It's they had a whole face mask. Yeah. yeah, and it's the dumbest thing because you punch each other. Usually you have gloves on too, but you probably break your hand, and you just get a little dizzy. You don't really feel anything. So uh, my helmet only, on. I got into a scuffle once in a JV football game with a corner who tried to press me too much. So that's my experience. Any hockey fight, like he did the hockey thing and he pulled my jersey up, and I was toast. I had no recourse <laughs> to that. Like you can't fight when somebody does the jersey move on you. It's the ultimate like sports fight. It's just gloves come cool. off, jersey goes up. So your move is make sure you have your helmet on. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I. There was a time when I was in high school. We went and played at uh, this school that looked like a prison, and we had to wear, we had to ride the bus for an hour, full pads, because when we got off the bus, there were parents with their rocks at us. Oh my God. Like, yeah, there was probably the rocks that were on the football field too. <laughs> that was yeah. a terrible place. I, I know I what you're think, talking like, about. Do not fight with helmets on. And Jamal Peters like. Ripped the dude's helmet off because he got his fist stuck in his face mask. Why would you ever punch someone in the helmet? Slapping, I guess. like whatever it is. Yeah. Why would you ever go for a helmet? I, I've hit my hand on a fighting, helmet. But you got to go lower body in a football fight. Yeah, it's yeah, all If abdomen. you cut someone, though, you, everyone's going to hate you. But it's yeah. the most effective tactic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for so sure. Got to go low. So that's all the Mississippi ad- updates that we have for you guys. A couple injuries really shook the college football landscape over Thanksgiving weekend and also maybe affected the 2019 NFL draft. Justin Herbert, quarterback from Oregon, someone a lot of people think could be QB1 in the 2019 draft if he declares, goes out of bounds, a shoulder injury. He left the game and didn't return. As we're recording, we haven't heard an update on that, but it's a guy who we've already heard was probably going back to school. I think right. this seals the deal. I, I agree with you too. Like if you, it's a shoulder injury, that needs time to recover. And we're already late November, so you're looking at December, he rests. But by January, you have to be getting ready for the combine because it's in late February. He's just not going to have that time. And NFL teams are going to want to see him throw, and he's just not going to be able to. I'm really curious to hear what the draft advisory board gives him back. And and if he gets a first-round grade back and still goes back to school, it kind of tells you all you need to know about Justin Herbert, that he feels he needs more time. He wants more time. His brother's yeah. coming They're in as a four-star tight end. More time. They're telling him, is, what I know about this situation is that every, and I know Matt has said this before too, everyone at Oregon, including the coaches, believe he will be back in Oregon for the 2019 season. Yep. And they are they firmly believe that. And, and I honestly think he should be. I know Mello was, I think, the first person I heard mention of, this is the guy who cried in the huddle as a freshman. <laughs> right. Not because he was hurt, because he was frustrated. Yeah. And guess what we've heard from NFL teams? This is a guy who mentally is not ready to handle the, the pressure and the struggles of an NFL team, especially the New York Giants. Could you imagine him in the New York market where there's so much pressure that Melo's waving at random fans? And, and they look so confused. So they I, are like, why is that guy still I waving at us? I'm going to get him again. say that Justin Herbert is back to Oregon next year until we hear differently. I know last year we got into this, like, we don't want to predict what a kid's going to do because there's too many factors 
too many opinions can change, but it definitely sounds like he's somebody that will head back to school. Uh, uh, another guy, and this is heartbreaking, as a, just as a football fan, Mackenzie Milton suffers a like, horrible knee Just injury. as a person, don't it, like not even as a football fan. Like the, what he went through, these guys put so much time and energy into their craft, and then for it to all be taken away right there, one play, junior year, when you have an undefeated season, and say whatever you want about the national championship thing, do we belong in the playoff? That's a terrible injury, and it really affects this team his future and going forward, I wanted to see them next year. I was going to put them like highlight them for our tailgate tour, but now it's just not looking the same. I know they have a freshman quarterback, Mac. I think he'll be able to take over because he's had some starts in replace of Melton, but it's just terrible. You hate to see a guy like that have such a terrible injury. He's a guy that's played at a really high level for a program that has now been undefeated for two years. And I think that means something. So like you guys said, you want to see him bounce back from the injury. You saw how affected the team and fans were for him and even you know obviously when it comes down to it we hope he is back and healthy but it's going to be a while it's going to be a while is he ever going to play again i mean that's we don't know but in early reports coming out of it are saying like no like he's done for forever they were working on saving his leg kind of like what we saw a couple years ago with the bears tied in like this is so much more than football. He's got a lot going on right now. Hope I hope the best for him. I loved him as a player, and I would never wish that on anybody but an Oklahoma player. <laughs> Not even that. Not realistically even that, right? No? Yes? Yeah, yes. sure. Yes. You want me to say that into the podcast? I'll say it, but <laughs> I don't mean it. <laughs> last, last bit of news. Ed Oliver, speaking of injuries, this is a weird situation. Ed Oliver, the cameras find him on the sideline crying. And he's been benched. And he and Major Applewhite, the head coach at Houston, have had some back and forth lately. They got in a fight over a coat. It's a weird deal. I'd fight somebody over a coat today. Right now, I'd fight somebody over some socks. Good luck trying to get this thing off me, buddy. It comes out after the game that Ed Oliver got hurt again. He re-aggravated a knee injury that's been bothering him for a couple weeks. It's a weird deal. And I've tweeted about it a couple times, and people seem to get confused about this. My point is... This might not hurt his draft stock, but teams will no doubt ask about this. You sit down with Ed Oliver. Your first question is, what's the deal with you and your head coach? That's where this question starts because you got to figure out, is this a Marcus Peters guy who's going to have trouble playing for us within a system? Is he too good for coaching? And yeah. I think that's where you start with Ed Oliver is, we all know he's a tremendous player, a great athlete, but how is he going to take to coaching or is it, Major Applewhite is trying to make an example of his best player. Well, and they're also going to go to Major before they even talk to Ed Oliver. People are going to be calling Houston and saying, hey, what is the deal with him? What do you think here? And who knows what he's going to say? You know, Tom Herman last year, another guy from that same coaching tree, did not have great things to say about his players. He was honest with the NFL. So we'll see what Major says. I think with Ed Oliver, like that's probably his last game in Houston. And he's a guy who's come out and been very loyal to the soil he wants to play there so that's probably part of the emotion that you saw on the sideline all right guys now like we do every single monday gotta hand out those hundred dollar handshakes i have one that's gonna upset the guys i think kyler murray gets a hundred dollar handshake you could give him one every week with the stats he puts up whether it's the runs the passing i want to make an argument that kyler murray should win the heisman trophy this year and i think you could jump in. You're the wrong crowd. Yeah. When it comes wrong. down to it, I think Kyler Murray is much more important to his team than Tua is right now. And I think what he's done for his team, whether it is the rushing numbers, he has about 600 more rushing yards than Tua, whether it is the throwing. I do think, obviously, in the Big 12, things are a little bit easier. But 
another big performance from Kyler Murray. I don't know if OU is going to be able to sneak into the playoff. It's going to, it's, they're kind of on the Hope outside. They lose. But if they do, I think you could seriously make the argument that I he's, think your he's a strong number two, like yeah. very strong. I just feel like what Tua has done, it's hard because a lot of voters are going to, you just did Connor. They're going to talk about stats. Two is barely and played in the fourth quarter and wins. So two, right. And yeah, effort to team prestige plays into it. He's playing for a defending national championship team too, is where he's undefeated. They've been flawless. Yeah, they've been flawless. And there are a lot of rumors coming out of Norman. Kyler Murray's going back to school. Like that's something I saw on Twitter what? last night. Like he's going to forego that $4 million contract. Idiot. Oh, I can't even imagine. Like, why and I'm not saying this as a Texas fan as like, why would you go play another year of football for free when you can make $5 million playing for the A's? Yeah, Why would you, you do that? Start your projection into the minor league system there when you're a five foot ten. He's quarterback. a great college football player. He's amazing. He has an incredible arm. Maybe he's a draft prospect, not round one. Like that's where you're going to have to go to make that money to kind of split the difference with what the A's are giving you. And I think at best he's probably a second round guy. Yeah, I agree with you. My hundred dollar handshake this week, not going to a college football player. I almost I tried to get Mellow one last night to eat anchovies and he wouldn't do it. I noticed Holy that. Holy shit! The way. I just remember you uh, ordered a Caesar salad with no anchovies. So uh, hundred dollars. That's poor, really depressing, my friend. It's a hundred dollars to eat a handful of anchovies. That's all you had to do. I just ordered the wrong salad. Is yep. all that happened? Congratulations! Right so shit. my real one hundred dollar handshake is going to the New Orleans Saints front office. We talk a lot of college football here, but this is a draft podcast. The Saints played. Thursday night against the Atlanta Falcons. Drew Brees threw touchdowns to four undrafted players. And I'll tell you what, I think the Saints are the best team in football right now. Better than the Chiefs, better than the Rams, better than the Steelers, better than the Patriots. And a lot of it is credit to the scouting department of Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, Sean Payton to all get on the same page. And they are finding guys who are fantastic under the radar players that they have developed now. Say what you want about Taysom Hill. It's a little bit of a sideshow, but the, at the receiver and running back position, they've been so good at finding these sleepers who come in and contribute. Yeah, and I agree with you, too. They look like the best team in football right now. My $100 handshake I'm going to give to Greg McRae out of UCF. He is the guy that carried the load after the McKenzie Melton injury, 180 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. You, you can't look past that. Very valuable to your team. So I'm going to give him this week my $100. It's my favorite part of the show. Anytime we get out on the road, it's time for draft on draft. We literally have beers lined up at the window. Uh, you have to follow us on Instagram at six football. If you want to see it, uh, we also are bundled up a little bit. It's a little cold, a little wet. So thank you it's all freezing. for braving the storm to hang out with us. The best part about tailgate tour guys, we're going to take live draft on draft questions. The fun part is we have no idea what these maniacs are going to ask us. I know. Usually I get to like prepare a little bit and maybe someone's going to be like, Mello, what's your social security number? And you're yeah. going to answer. And I have to tell them because it's no draft filter. on draft. That's like, the rule of draft on draft. Do? So we have an open mic and our buddy Dan's going to start us off. He's from Michigan. Dan, Ohio Dan, 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 yeah. Dan. What's up, guys? Copy and paste Dan is how I refer to him. Uh, yeah, just Dan, 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 Dan. All right. So I got I got two questions for you. Dan, where'd you drive from? I drove from Detroit, Michigan. Love it. Vacation. I worked an eight-hour shift yesterday. Got off work and came straight here. So Big I'm Kid here Rock it. fan? No. <laughs> That's too bad. Same. All right. So first question. So I'm a, I'm also a Lions fan. So with watching the Thanksgiving game and seeing that Jim Bob Cooter can't 
scheme an offense that goes more than three yards past the line of scrimmage, and seeing that he's probably gone after this year, who is a solid offensive coordinator replacement that you could see next year for the Detroit Lions? I think it's tough because you go to the Patriots well, right? Like, yeah. So who's out there in that vein that would fit? And I, I, one of the biggest questions with Matt Patricia was how does this guy build a staff? Because the New England tree is so saturated right now. So I think you almost have to branch out at this point and maybe go to someone like a Mike Kafka at Kansas City to try to get a little more innovative. You could do what Matt Nagy did, tap into the college game and go after some some guys in that area, like Ryan Day at Ohio State. Ryan Day is somebody that Mike Vrabel wanted to hire from the Tennessee Titans last year as his OC. So there's a connection there to some of the Belichick people where I would think that Ryan Day would make a lot of sense. But you're right. I mean, Jim Bob's got a cool name, but he can't call offense to save his life. Are we talking about Ohio State assistant coaches today, or is that a no? Uh, yeah, we can, I think. I okay, think. cool. Uh, we can. Yep. Where's our boss? <laughs> yep, we're, and we're all set. Yep. I, I think right. if they want to get creative, I think Zach Taylor at, you know, with the Rams, anyone under Sean McVay right now is going to get recognized. And, yeah. and while, you know, he gets recognized to coach the receivers in a lot of different parts there, he does have a voice in the offense. So. Yeah. I don't know if the Lions have the pull to grab a guy like that, but that's a lot of it, right? But it matter, you know, it matter who can you hire there? Who can Matt Patricia hire? It goes back to New England, the, the tree there. But I think if you want to get creative, you go outside the box, you go to LA, grab someone from that staff to call your place. Or you go to New Orleans and say, Hey, Pete Carmichael will give you two million dollars a year to come call offense because he's probably gonna jump now with uh, Dan Campbell in the head coaching hierarchy. So yeah, it's it's tough being a Lions fan, dude. All right, and then my second question. So we always talk about Dwayne Haskins and his draft stock, but what are, what do you guys see some of the realistic possibilities for some of the other Ohio state prospects like KJ Hill, Paris Campbell, Michael Jordan, Jordan Fuller, guys like that. Yeah. I think your, your receiver class, sorry, Mel, your receiver class is really probably the most interesting part because of guys like KJ Hill and Paris Campbell, Paris Campbell might be the fastest guy in college football. And we've, we've all seen you get to Indianapolis. That shit matters, right? Like you run a four, three, at receiver, it's going to boost your stock. So I think receivers the most interesting where you have a couple guys that could go day two. As far as other day one players, we've seen Kendall Sheffield and Damon Arnett struggle so much this year where you had corners that were potentially round one athletes. Their play hasn't backed it up. So I think that's where you struggle. And then offensive line, Michael Jordan's interesting. He's almost like too tall to play center, but could be a pretty good power guard. You buried the lead with Draymond Jones. Like he's oh, probably he's, that's and, oh, and shit, maybe, I, I don't know. Nick Bosa, Bosa? I, my I bad. Heard of him? So their prospects are looking pretty good. You mentioned Paris C- Campbell, though. I love him. He's one of my favorite receivers in this class. Probably top five receiver for me. Yeah. That Ohio State offense doesn't really work for receivers. They do a lot of screen passes. So I think once we do see him at at the combine and some of this other stuff, he's going to be able to show off yeah. his athletic ability and his hands. If he has them, he's got to show them off. We just haven't seen it yet. I- yeah. I really like Campbell as a screen guy, though. Like, he's shown a couple the last year or so that he can get those screens and run with it. He's been a guy where you get the ball in his hands and he makes big plays happen. There's people that believe he's the fastest prospect yeah. in this draft. He can run a sub 4-4 easily. I think he does. So I think Draymond Jones is interesting because the league is looking for rotational defensive linemen that can rush the passer, and he fits the right. bill as that. As a gap shooter, a guy three that wins with length, a three-tech, he's not going to be on the field every down. I think he can go top 50 very easily. Sweet. Thank you, guys. It's 10 o'clock. Oklahoma sucks and Michigan sucks. There Thank we you. go. Atta boy. <laughs> Hook them. There we go. And we went Ohio State fan. Now we got to go Michigan fan. 
Our because they did show up from Grand Rapids, Michigan, right? Is that where you came from? Where, yes, sir. Grand Rapids, Michigan. How long is that drive? About five hours. Love it. Not too bad. No, that's half of our drive yeah. here. All right, JQ, <laughs> you got a question, man. Let us hear it. All right. my que- I got two questions. My first one is the defending Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, are free-falling as we speak. All our corners are gone. Outside of Greedy Williams, what corner help could we look for in the draft? Yeah, I mean, you guys are free-falling, and I, I think that – that part speaks to what you lost on the offensive side with some of your coordinators and coaches. Uh, as far as corners go, I think DeAndre Baker at Georgia is somebody that could be interesting. And you're not picking as late in round one as you may be expected to. So that also helps. Where You might be picking in the middle of round one where you can get a DeAndre Baker. Maybe you can get my guy, Trayvon Mullen at Clemson, who has the speed, the length that everybody looks for a corner. Yeah, that's what I was going to go with, too, until you ripped off, like, every corner that's going to go in the first round. That's but, yeah, what I you do. can't get greedy. And, you know, maybe those defensive linemen will push him down a little bit. We did see him struggle early in the year. But I think you're going to be set up in a good position to get a corner because there are going to be three, maybe four, somebody else shows up where you can get a good corner in round one. And you might trade Nick Foles for one. You never know. I think Byron Murphy might be the best corner in this class. I don't think the gap between him and Greedy is as far as people think. He's a little smaller. I think he mirrors a little better. So the Eagles, unlike last year, you know, they're going to be picking in the middle of the first round. And they've really caught bad injury luck. It happens a lot of times to Super Bowl playoff teams. They can bounce back very quickly with Carson Wentz. And I honestly believe bad coordinator luck. I mean, you lose the guys that y'all lost, DeFilippe going to Minnesota, and they haven't had a great – but losing Frank Reich was somebody we loved. And like we're saying, this guy is one of the best head coaching candidates out there. He didn't get a lot of the attention because of Josh McDaniels and Matt Nagy, but like the, I feel like losing him has definitely been felt. So that's on Doug Peterson now to hit his own coaching tree. And he might be the guy that gets Mike Hoff going to come and try to fix things. Right. My second question is, I heard you guys talk about a couple podcasts ago. Shea Patterson has a possibility to lead because his draft stock is going to be higher this year with Herbert declaring to stay possibly if that happens, where do you think his draft stock lands him? I think Shea's a really hard prospect to evaluate right now because so much of it comes between January and April with football IQ, character, things like that. But you have to be impressed by how well he's played from Labor Day weekend until now. Like He's gotten better every week playing in what amounts to a pro-style offense under Harbaugh. I, I'll tell you, I'm not just saying this because you're a Michigan fan. I think he could be the first quarterback drafted. It just depends on how well he handles this process Senior Bowl. I mean, think about Baker Mayfield one year ago. No one was saying a year ago Baker Mayfield was the number one pick. Very few people were saying first round. No one with credibility thought he was going to go top overall, but he went to the Senior Bowl, and he was amazing. And he went to the Combine, and he was amazing. And then his pers- his interviews and his, his pro day workouts blew everybody away. There's no reason Shea Patterson can't own that process if he takes care of business and does the same thing, especially we're getting Justin Herbert, we talked about, already got a shoulder injury. Looks like he's going to go back to Oregon. It might come down to the quarterbacks we're going to see today between what we got Shea Patterson and Dwayne Haskins. Those might be your QB ones. You talk about quarterbacks going in this class round one. That's like being the tallest midget at the carnival. Like there's just, (laughs) there are no quarterbacks in this class. Like I I hate to say it. It's just not going to happen for you. If you take a guy like Dwayne Haskins, congratulations. You just drafted Tannehill again. Like I don't think they're first round quarterbacks. I think you wait Shea Patterson, yeah, he's looked good so far, but I'm just not sold on him being a round one quarterback yet. Yeah, I I agree. I think when we're talking about the quarterback conversation and you have Will Greer in the conversation right now, some people like Drew Locke, obviously Haskins, Patterson. I don't think Herbert declares anyway. 
I think it goes back to what Melo said, where maybe there's just not a guy. Tall smidget. There's <laughs> Daniel. You said it, not me. Jones. Yeah, Daniel Jones from That's Duke. A lot of people like him. I don't see a first-round quarterback right now. I just don't think it's that kind of year. After we were truly spoiled last year, and we talk about first-round quarterbacks, like somebody will do it. Two to three oh, of them will get they'll drafted. go in the first round. They just shouldn't be. EJ Manuel in the first round. Yeah, it happens every year. I mean, Josh Allen got drafted top ten. All right, thanks, guys. It's ten eleven. OU sucks. Go blue. Michigan. Ohio State sucks. We didn't tell people to say that it's whatever We're time OU on. sucks, but I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So our buddy buddy's here. Our buddy buddy. Not the elf. I do love that movie. And he's going to pop a top and ask a question. I, I know. So that, we're here. We're doing draft on draft. So we have to do it right. There we go. That's All a right, listener. There it is. That's not a guy can. who stopped by for free beer. He <laughs> listens to the show. I always love that. Some guys stopped by asking about hot dogs. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> Get out of here. All right. So we're he, in Ohio. He warned me oh. about this, by the way. So it's you guys are basically a semi Browns podcast and we're in Ohio. So I'm, you know, Browns fan. I got to ask. And I'm asking about the O-line, you know, you drafted your first overall second round draft pick. You picked a guard. He's sitting on the sideline right now. And it looks like, you know, you look at mock drafts right now, you're seeing like Greg Little and tackles going to him because Desmond Harrison is a complete liability right now. I mean, Texas fans could have told you that. (laughs) (laughs) But so, uh, you know, kind of a two parter. Where do you see uh, Corbett fitting in Is Zeitler like trade bait? And what do you see them going in the first round? Do you see tackle? I honestly believe that Corbett was a panic move. You know, like Joe Thomas is retiring. We got to draft someone. And they they did panic a press a little bit. We'll see if he can eventually develop and fit in. I think one thing that you can look back at Dorsey with Kansas City, you can look at even the the Packers, what they're good at is getting guys outside round one who could be good offensive linemen. So it's too early to say Corbett's a bust or a bad pick, even though there are some struggles on the O-line. So, And then your second point, this is a tough year to need left tackle. All of us like Jonah Williams, and everyone in the NFL tells us we're stupid. Like, oh, he's too small. Like, okay, but he can block really well, and he's a very good athlete, and he's very technical. So I think that's where there's the divide right now, late November is, between what we see on tape and what these guys are are starting to talk about in war rooms and things. So I I still think Jonah Williams is the most intriguing. You got Jawan Taylor at Florida. You mentioned Greg Little. It's not a great year to need an offensive tackle, which – Unfortunately, unless they're going to bet on Desmond Harrison's upside, you, that's your biggest need, I think. Yeah. You also have to wait for that coaching changeover because somebody else is going to come in there and they're going to evaluate everybody else that's on roster. So who knows what they're going to do once they do have a head coach lined out. I think it'll be easier to see, like, what do they value? What do they want to do? They're not going to be tied to any of these draft prospects. So I think that they could be trade bait. All I over. know this guy throwing a football in our lot right now, like may have played quarterback, like at a <laughs> decently high level. I'm scouting the guy in the parking lot right now. <laughs> I'll say this. The first round, did not play receiver. Receiver. <laughs> the first round tackle that no one's talking about is Yadni just on West Virginia. And John Dorsey yeah. was at West Virginia, Oklahoma. So I, it doesn't mean much when guys go to games like that, but I think they're doing their homework on the tackle class. I think there are answers in this tackle class. I do think Jonah Williams could just, and maybe even a guy like Andre Dillard in the right scheme at Washington state can be right. caliber starting tackles. But, and that's how it goes. Like you look at, okay, what do the Browns run? Well, West Virginia is not that different from what they run. So you have someone who produces in that scheme where like, you know, the league might say Jonah Williams is not a top 10 tackle, but for the Browns, Yadni could just might be a, a top round two guy. who could be a yep. long-term starter. Yeah, well, since I'm up here, you know, you saw Terry Kitchens, so, uh, the Browns uh, O coordinator right now, run the wishbone, basically. You know, what are the odds that he gets another shot at being an O coordinator showing, 
you know, we can do something different. I, I think the issue there is that the Browns are going to make us a, a hire that's offensive related hire. I, I think the question is, will he go somewhere else? And will that coach be willing to keep him? Also, the same could be said for Greg Williams right now. I think the Browns should find a way to keep Greg Williams as their defensive coordinator again. And I think it's a role he's comfortable with taking under a new head coach. So it goes in, it depends on what direction they go with the hire. I think that's why I think Matt Campbell's a really good hire. Cause you bring a college We're in the guy right in part of the country to talk about Matty Campbell. He, he wants NFL veteran coaches there. And that, that's why I think Campbell's a really good fit. You get a guy like McCarthy or Harbaugh. They probably don't keep those guys. So what, what makes you say Campbell uh, can translate from college to besides the rah-rah aspect? Not, a lot of it's the rah-rah aspect, right? Yeah. Like you have a guy who's a great leader and you've seen him go to small programs and quickly, maybe not turn Iowa state around, but yeah. make them respectable at least. And, I think that there's a big element of that of, okay, we've seen him do this. And then so much of like, why do we like guys as head coaches is because what we're told, you know, of like, how well does this guy interview? How good is his plan as a head coach when he comes in and talks to people? You're like, we're not out there watching Matt Campbell game plan every week. So at some point you kind of do fall back on your sources and you have to trust people to say, like with Matt Nagy last year, of like this guy's super prepared. He might not call the plays for the Chiefs, but his input it makes you impressed. And then also as a head coaching candidate, and we've talked about this before, Connor, so much of it is what do you bring with you as a staff? Like that's super, super important. And I I think that's why Campbell's, that's his biggest question is who does he bring in? So if he keeps the kitchens, if he keeps the Greg Williams, like Matt Nagy goes to Chicago and keeps Vic Fangio, it was a slam dunk. That was a win for him. So you get into those types of questions, but I know everybody in the league loves Matt Campbell right now. And I'll say this. Something goes about paying attention to detail. Some of the best coaches that make the transition are detail guys. Those Iowa Iowa State teams, top 15 in taking care of the football, top 15 in penalties. And both years. That matters a lot. And that's why a lot of people say he can handle the locker room. He can handle the detail that the NFL requires. And he'll demand the respect of an NFL. They also weirdly have a state-of-the-art strength and conditioning program. Like you would think Iowa State, like, oh, they're... But, like, everyone's copying what Iowa State does. So it, it is very impressive right now. All right, boys. Cheers. Appreciate cheers. it. Go Bucks. No, uh, no, it's Ohio or Oklahoma Sox. I don't know what time it is. but I mean, you know, I try to be original. It's 10-15. There you go. There you go. 10-15 and Michigan still sucks. There you go. <laughs> Thanks. There you go. All right, the questions keep it coming. My name's Ryan, and my Twitter handle is Browns Can't Draft. One of our there favorites. Go. There we go. That we've been oh, really turning it around. So two things. Starting off, Michigan fans kick puppies. And two, <laughs> uh, so as a Browns fan, we've had some terrible head coaches. I want to know what head coaches you guys think are more incompetent than Hugh Jackson. I don't think there is any. John yeah. Gruden? I, even he took a team to the playoffs. Three years, three wins. Or whatever it was. Yeah, three years, three wins, right? Yeah. So I just think that that was – the dude had too much time there, and he just didn't succeed. And they had some good talent. You have guys like Miles Garrett on your defense. Like, they did some things, but it just never worked out. I think that might be the worst head coaching Who's hire. Who's your least favorite head coach in the NFL? Um, Lincoln Riley next year? I don't know. <laughs> I don't hate any NFL head coaches. I don't so. know if you had a thing against any of them like you do with everyone else. Mm, no, I think I'm good with all of them. I mean, Todd Bowles right now. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. When it's I, not Bill Belichick, it's whoever is coaching I'm the Jets. I'm going to say this because we're in Columbus, Ohio. I still fucking hate Jim Harbaugh. 
Like, I hate him. Like, how can you lose that Super that Bowl? <laughs> like, oh, my God. As a Niners fan, like, no, not good. Well, and he also hasn't even beat the Ohio State yet. Like, come on. You get all this. If you're listening to this. <laughs> if you're listening <laughs> on to Monday, Monday, maybe he did. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, still not a Jim Harbaugh fan. But, no, I mean, I think the Hugh Jackson thing, and I, it, it goes back to the Haslam's. You hired Sashi Brown, who had, he was a lawyer. He had no football experience. You hire this guy, and he's going to moneyball the NFL. And that's hard to do. I, he played football at Harvard. But he had no experience running a front office. And then you hire Hugh Jackson, who at the time a lot of people wanted. The Niners wanted. Maybe the Bears were talking to him. It, and it, it's like you, you, they almost like tried to outsmart things, I think, is what they ran into. And, and that's what, as a Browns fan, when you all start to think about who your next head coach is going to be, you got to remember you got an owner who is right now thought of as the least favorable one in the NFL. So can you get Lincoln Riley? Probably not. Not with this uh, ownership. I've heard he'll only go to Dallas. Maybe that changes. This, I heard the same thing. So, if people came at me on Twitter, Twitter so. Twitter's going to be pissed at you guys. And, yeah. and with Dallas right now, maybe Lincoln Riley won't be in the NFL next year because Dallas is winning games. Yeah. Just, just constant. It's almost like Amari Cooper was good and people uh, forgot about that. Some people in Oakland didn't know how to throw him the ball. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, man. I, I know I told you this morning, you guys are pointing up as Browns fans, though. Like, you just got to get this higher, right? Like, and I honestly think whether it's Jim Schwartz, Jim Har- or John Harbaugh, Mike McCarthy, I think they need to bring someone who can install culture of, like, work hard, play your ass off, and limit a lot of the distractions that they have. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate it, man. So many Ohio State fans. Well, I mean, we are in Columbus, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, to be fair. It's like we're in Ohio. To be fair, we're in their backyard. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah, this guy tweeting us the stick to football celebration. Mello and I we talked about it, it on the Friday show. Boom, he gives it to us. Delivered. Thanks for having me on, guys. My name is Joe. Thanks for the koozie. Thanks for the beer. Uh, you have a question. southern accent. Where'd that come from? I don't hear. Canton, it. Ohio. Oh, <laughs> well, that's it. It's northern Ohio. He's got a southern accent. My question is: You always hear people talk about that these teams need to build to compete within their division. With that being said, how did things change for John Dorsey drafting in the AFC West or the AFC North? No, man, that's a great question. Fantastic question. It's, it's like so cliche, right? But you have to be tougher, right? You need a good offensive line, a good defensive line. You're probably going to run the ball more this time of year, late November, December, because, I mean, shit, look at the weather out here today, right? It's going to be cold. It's going to be rainy. You have to be able to compete in the elements. So I think that plays into it. You know, Connor's team, went to that mentality a couple of years ago of like they tried to draft all these pretty boys from California and it wasn't working. They don't last in New York. And they said, okay, we need guys who are dogs. Like let's get guys who love to hit and love to play physical football. And we'll build our team in that identity. And I think that's where the Browns are now. I mean, you get obviously miles Garrett was inherited and the linebackers were inherited. I love Joe Sherbert and Christian Kirksey. Those guys will play physical ball because they went to Wisconsin and Iowa. You know what they're all about. And now I think you see the secondary, you get Denzel Ward, who was the feistiest motherfucker in the draft last year, right? So you have good players like that. Hopefully Jabril Peppers can eventually become tough. We'll see if that can happen. But Demarius Randall, like, loves to compete. Like, there's so many players on defense, and, and hopefully we see the offensive line get that way. Nick Chubb is just a ball of steam running back. Like, I, I think you have to come into it with that mentality of we have to build an ass-kicking football team. And so you have to get those guys who not not fake tough guys, like, Guys who love being physical and they'll hit the weight room and they're gonna they're gonna grind. It is so corny and cliche, but you have to do it that way. Also, one quick goofy question. <laughs> I love these. 
<laughs> if Zion Williamson, for whatever reason, would have to say, fuck the NBA and declared for the NFL draft. Wish next he year, would. <laughs> where would he get drafted? We've talked about this, like just among ourselves. I like, there's no way Bill Belichick doesn't find a way to draft him and yeah. make him a tight end. Like, right. Like someone does it in probably the top 15 and he becomes the greatest tight end in NFL history. I think realistically, though, like the, he would not make it past round three. Like he's never played a snap of football, but I don't care. You're six foot seven, two eighty five, and you can run and jump like that. They'll find a spot for you. There's a dude out of Baylor who just was Rico good at Gellers. basketball, and they're just like, yeah, let's try you out at football. So if, if you're an athlete, they'll give you a shot. And a guy of his athletic ability, like it's LeBron James and then Zion. Those two are the most athletic dudes I've ever seen. So yeah. Top three rounds for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't bet against him. I think when you look at tight end, defensive end, he's already built. He's already 280 pounds of muscle. Yeah. He's so bigger than some I tackles. I want birth certificate, by the way. How old do they say he is? I mean, he's a freshman, so like 19. Yeah, that dude's 30. I don't know. Thanks for having me on, guys. I got to get to the bar before my girlfriend dumps me. <laughs> Tell her well, I'll thanks, be here man. all day. Yep. How's it going, guys? Brian from What's Columbus. Up, thanks for having me. How long was your drive? About... Uh, 10 minute Uber. Okay. Damn. That's rough. yeah, rough. that's rough. Thanks for coming walk. out. They want to get us all the way here. So, <laughs> but all right, a li- little fun. We're going to go Jeff Brom, Scott Frost, Matt Campbell for the next 10 years in the NCAA. Fuck, Mary kill. Oh. <laughs> oh. We've been, we've been banned from answering draft. these questions on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> you asked, so we'll answer. Uh, I would marry Matty Campbell. I was going to say everyone's that. marrying Matt Campbell. I'm not. That's, I'm marrying Scott Frost. Oh, okay. Yeah, I am. I think that he's going to turn that Nebraska team around. You look at what he's doing there already. Like, it looks good, and he looks good. So I'll take Scott Frost. I'm going to marry him. That boy can bend a ball cap. Hey, he went into Iowa yesterday and almost won. Yeah, and they're competing in year one, so that's pretty impressive. They're going to turn it around there. I would kill Jeff Brom. Not not, not literally. Air quotes. Uh, (laughs) If if there were someone I was betting against... It would be Jeff Brown. Me too. Because he's too gimmicky. And he's going to go back to Louisville probably. Like, right. good. You just signed your death certificate. Congratulations. Right. You're in Louisville. So I guess I would take Scott Frost home for an evening of some triple option football. Hey. No. Oh, some power be a... eye between Scott Frost and I. <laughs> you said it. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, I agree guys. with Matt on all three of them. I mean, I, I have nothing else to add to it. Mello, uh, you, so you're taking Maddie Campbell home? Yeah, I'm, I'll I'm gonna go back Maddie to New York and show with the Bleacher Report office. So uh, <laughs> there's your corporate answer. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Great question there. I love it. We've been trying to answer that question for two years on the podcast. <laughs> Haven't found a creative way to do I, it. I think I wanted to do some Mary Fuck Kill on the very first episode I did, and Matt was like, "No," and then our buddy Dan, R.I.P., was like, "Yeah, I also agree. That's probably a no." So. What, thank you for bringing it to line. Drafts on Draft. Oh, my God. Dan Barnes is here. I'm covered in ice water. Cool umbrella. Damn. All right. We got a new going another, on, fellas? another Ohio State fan. I just want to say thanks for the trendy gloves. They're fantastic. <laughs> They're great. Really cold they look great. Right they fit really nice. Sorry they too. don't cover your They're thumbs. They're perfect. Yeah. So we got a timer over here, right, for 30 seconds. You guys you guys are like, is it going to be fun right, or measurable? How seconds. many cheeses can you guys name in 30 seconds? Cheeses? Yeah, cheeses. Colby Gouda. Jack, pepper Jack. Monterey, cheddar. Gouda. Gouda. Yep. Mild cheddar. Sharp cheddar. Yeah. There we go. Uh, Eight. Fuck. That's tough. Come on. American. Mozzarella. <laughs> Parmesan. Feta. Say Swiss. Feta. Swiss. Guess they're on a roll. Munster. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I don't know. Wow, we're really good at this. Um, 
other That's cheeses. Hard. We're not from Wisconsin. Yeah. No, I know we no, look I, like we eat a yeah. lot of cheese, but I had Do some really weird shit in France count? this summer. I don't know. Sticks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Mozzarella cheese sticks. There you go. Yeah, yeah those are the best. You uh, get them intertwined with the. Oh, you guys did great. I think I got like fifteen or sixteen. There you there. go. Yeah. Nice. How many did you bring for us to what eat? What was the over under? None. Yeah. I got from some Fermunda cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how do we forget that one? That's my favorite. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank man. you. Danny Barnes, you can ask a question. Yeah, what's up? Get on up here, dude. I'm surprised you uh, survived the parking lot dressed like that. Oh, yeah, I got haggled a lot. It's, it's cool. It happened. The only person to make oh. two uh, tailgate tours. Damn yeah. Second what? appearance. Your, your second appearance. Well, I, not tailgate well, no, tour. I was you at did, the yeah. combine. Yep. Yeah. All right, buddy. What's your question? Okay. So on the show that you guys put out yesterday, you were talking about Drew Brees over Patrick Mahomes for the MVP. Yep. But like, what would Andrew Luck have to do to be in the MVP conversation? Went out. Went out. Yeah. Throw went the out. ball that's further was, than thirty yards. That's what me and Anthony were talking about. Yep. But it's like. But if they do, it's it's him and no questions asked. Right. Like, I just oh, yeah. don't know if there's anybody that's more valuable to their team than Andrew Luck is. But you know what? That's right not the award. I know. But the award is who's the best player on a right. good team that plays quarterback. Right. And right. is attractive. Yeah. And Andrew looks ugly. So that hurts. <laughs> yeah. That He's hurts. a goofy looking bastard. If only he was AJ McCarron, he'd be. He'd that's be right. right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> if if only we were all AJ McCarron. Yeah. All right. I think that does it for draft on draft. Thank you everybody who came out. Uh, that does it actually for the show. Oh my God. Uh, we're going to try to warm up in front of the hobo fire that we've built. Eat some hot dogs with ketchup. Hot dogs with a lot with of ketchup. mustard. Ketchup. With ketchup. Mustard. ketchup. With ketchup. Normal people eat them with ketchup. <laughs> so much mustard. So thank you all for coming out, braving the cold. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. We still got a lot of beer to drink. So uh, for Connor and Mello, I'm Matt. We will talk to you Wednesday morning back in the offices where thank God I'll be able to feel my toes. <laughs>